From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. Finally tonight here, making history even before the Oscars. The nominations are out. They will battle it out with the stars born, the favorite. The 2019 Black Oscar Clans nominations are out. Vice. And among and them are a few movies that are of particular interest to political junkies, like Vice and RBG. Two movies that take different approaches to getting their stories across and of two different characters. We're going to talk about politics and movies and political movies with Renee Sow, the vice president of PR Collaborative, and somebody who has a little bit of experience in talking about these movies. Renee, welcome to Political Theater. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Jason. So just a, a quick note. Usually you are the person who is bringing a film director or a writer or a producer or somebody in, in your capacity at PR Collaborative. And uh, I just I wanted to sort of note that this is one of those like moments like, oh, we're, we're pulling pulling the veil back a little bit, breaking the fourth wall, uh, if, if you will. I know I'm usually the uh, the dark operator behind the scenes, making sure that the journalists are doing exactly what I tell them to do. Exactly. I mean, that, that is how it works. That's just journalism 101, kids. <laughs> Mind uh, the PR handler. <laughs> but I, I mean, among some of the filmmakers that you have brought into this very studio, though, uh, are are the, the filmmakers behind RBG, the Correct. documentary feature about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I ask no favor for my sex. All I ask of our brethren is that they take their feet off our necks. Uh, which was nominated for Best Documentary Feature and also Best Original Song yes, uh, that was by, really by Dan Warman, uh, Warren, uh, the I Will Fight. And, and I, I mean, one of the things that I'm just interested in is that when we saw... The, the nominations come out. I mean, it's a it's a very interesting group of movies. Uh, you know, there was everything from you know Black Panther, which is kind of a groundbreaking you know film in the superhero genre, to something like RBG, which as a documentary, I mean, it, it is just done gangbusters kind of business, which yeah. documentaries usually don't do. Fourteen million dollars <laughs> right. is a huge deal in the documentary world, particularly for a you know a roughly half a million dollar budget. When you brought the filmmakers in, I mean, it was, I think there, there was an expectation that, that RBG would do well or at least be of some interest, but it has just taken off in a way that was, I, I mean, dare I say, it was a little unexpected. And, and again, with the caveat that, you know, these are your clients. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're, pro you're probably not going to say like, oh, we didn't expect anything of well them. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this has got to have been a success story for-, for It really was. You know. you know, it's RBG hit at a time- when we needed a hero. I mean, a lot of people on the left had been feeling really beaten down by the current administration, about Me Too, about um, inclusion. You know, there's just a lot of, it's been kind of a rough couple of years. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she's a fighter. Literally, I mean, look, she she's just got over cancer yet again. And I mean, she's just out there. She's been breaking ground for women um, in law and as far as becoming a cultural icon, I mean, she's she's just the hero we needed. Um, I would say at that moment, but we still need her. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a very well done documentary, uh, but it is a fairly standard documentary mm -hmm. where they talk to a bunch of people. There's mm -hmm. some talking heads. There's some vintage, you know, footage. There's some really nifty editing. Mm -hmm. um, it's it is uh, it, it's something that, that, as you said, just caught at the, at the right time. On the other end of the spectrum, Vice is about Dick Cheney, and he is on the other side of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, and I'm not saying he's on the spectrum. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to, to diagnose anybody. <laughs> no, but but he is a conservative. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is somebody who, uh, you know, wielded 
power over over decades on the Republican side of the ledger. And the movie itself is about as different from a, a documentary about a Supreme Court justice as you can be. It's a big studio movie. Adam McKay, the writer and director, has won an Academy Award already, so he's a known quantity. He's worked with Will Ferrell for years on things like Anchorman uh, and Talladega Nights, uh, and 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 has recently taken up more serious fare like The Big Short. Right, he's big also short. working on an adaptation of Bad Blood. Uh, so it, I mean, and then you've got Batman uh, playing Dick Cheney, uh, Christian Bale. You've I believe we can make this work. <laughs> got Sam Rockwell. Those are two Academy Award winners. Amy Adams, who's been nominated like five or six times now for Academy Awards. I mean, so are these you are... telling me this movie was manufactured <laughs> to win awards, Jason? Is well, that where you're going with it this? Seemed, it seems like it. I mean, this is an A-list crowd. Definitely. Um, it was released came out, in this at, yeah. like, at that high season right. with where everybody is putting out their Oscar fare, their, their movies that matter, their movies that are important. That's, you know, and so they prime the pump for yesterday's. Right. And, and they got eight nominations. So yeah. so there's, you know, two very different political movies, one a, a feature, one a documentary, one, you know, made almost on a shoestring budget. The other made with like, you know, I, th- I think the estimated budget was about 60 million dollars for Vice and they've made about 39 or 40 million dollars. So, I mean, th- these are different approaches, but they both sort of hit mm-hmm. uh, at, at the right time. But not all these political movies do hit. I mean, you know, PR Collaborative is has a very diverse portfolio of films, but you do a lot of documentaries and you do a lot of uh, of movies, if they're not documentaries, that have some sort of, I, I would guess, you know, I don't, well, I don't know, I guess, but I would say have a, a sort of a social significance to them. Yeah, you know? I would and, say so. So, <laughs> so, and not all of them hit. Uh, That's it, true. I mean, one of the one of the better podcasts I thought we did last year. Uh, was with Jay Carson and Jason Reitman and Matt Bai about the movie The Front Runner, which right. is this was also a movie that you had you know brought to my attention and helped coordinate the the uh, the interviews and so forth. And that movie it w- did not do particularly well uh, at the box office, and it got a mixed critical reaction. Even though I thought it was a very interesting and and worthwhile movie. So right. what's going on? I mean, like sometimes it just hits and sometimes it doesn't. I mean. Definitely part that, of it. That I must mean, terrify people who invest in movies. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a, it's a miracle that anybody wants to get involved with movies because it's such a money pit. But, you know, the front runner, I really like the front runner, too. I thought Hugh Jackman was great. I liked the writing. I liked the snappy direction. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. But as you had pointed out earlier, it's a film that doesn't give you any answers. It doesn't say definitively that Gary Hart had this affair right. with Donna Rice. And people, especially when they go to the movies, they like that sense of closure. Right. And so when you see a movie with what some people might call an indie edit, indie ending, mm-hmm. and it's deeply unsatisfying, then was the rest of the movie, you know, does that negate the the value of the rest of the movie? I mean, some people might argue that, you know, I think that there's also the general hurdle that a lot of people might not remember Gary Hart or understand what the significance of Gary Hart is today. Right. Um. You know, it's it's there's. There can be a process of re-educating people about historical events that can can be a barrier. And maybe there was an issue about timing as well. I mean, they released this movie right as the election midterm election was happening in November. They uh, released pe- it on election day. On, on in election New York. day, <laughs> which you know maybe in in previous lives, you know, midterm elections people weren't into them. I mean, there was record turnout and. It maybe was, just got a little swamped. This you know, was definitely yeah. an unprecedented year for the midterms. And I think that, you know, studios, when they're making the calculation about when to put their movies out, you know, does this have awards potential? Should we release it in the fall? 
um, when to release it um, is within the fall because it is such a crowded marketplace um, always plays into those sorts of um, those sorts of decisions. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, coming out in November was a challenge for them, you know, in terms of what I do in, in the political world, you know, in political press and press in general. There was not a lot of oxygen in the room left for a movie. Right. I mean, there was so much real life uh, high stakes and and, you know, there I think everybody's attentions and, you know, like validly so was right. was geared towards the political races. I, yeah. The, the the thing that I I felt this entire year, I mean, and I was arguably more engaged in in the movies that came out this past year than at any point before i mean d- down to like shorter documentaries like heroines uh mm-hmm. you know in love in, that one but it was difficult to break through because the the way particularly the president commands a media you know attention is it gets difficult to to break through and i, I was wondering one of the things that we were kind of batting around about is washington's an interesting market mm-hmm. for films right Definitely. i mean it's a very film literate community we have a lot of movie theaters we have a lot of different kinds of movie theaters every you know we have the kind of repertory angle with See, the i would actually argue we don't have enough movie theaters but that's <laughs> i well I'm, I'm right there with you but but i'm i'm thinking about like in in cities where i've gone that are roughly the size or around the size of dc you it's it's a there's a sameness you know mm-hmm. th- there might be a couple of art house movie theaters but they but they and they have like the big sort of cineplexes but there's not a ton of diversity where we still have movie theaters that have like two or three screens uh, which is un- yeah. almost kind of unheard of um and so I, I you know you have the avalon that that has a mix of 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 big studio movies and and documentaries and so forth and and art house uh, we have nonprofit ventures so in coming to this it's not new york or la I mean, right. it's a very different sort of thing. You you were mentioning that, you know, one of the things that filmmakers get a little excited about is that they, they may actually get to, you know, sort of influence the influencers in Washington. That even the even the folks who, you know, are, are maybe a little less glamorous than the New York media scene, they still have a, a, a say in how things are portrayed. Is that is that still the case? Does does somebody like Jason Reitman, uh, who who directed the front runner, did was he excited to come to Washington and Yeah, you know. <laughs> he was. You know, and like Jay Carson and Matt Bai. Matt Bai still lives here. Right. Um Jay Carson lived here for years before moving out to LA. So for them it's their town. Like right. they understand it on a much deeper level. But I think that there's also the more general idea that people in Washington remember. They remember Gary Hart. They remember what a watershed moment that was. Right. Um, his candidacy was for where we are now in um, in our political discourse. So, yeah, they were excited to come and talk to the people who understand the content of the film on a much deeper level than they would in New York or L.A., where they want to talk about Hugh Jackman, you know, and putting on his Colorado accent. You know, so it's it's a it's a <laughs> Is different. Is there a Colorado accent? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely not an Australian accent. No, it's true. So. It's true. Right. Um, but having a different dynamic um, and and adding that extra dimension to the conversation about what the film is. And, um, you know, I think that a lot of it comes down to reaching the people who care the most. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, Washington is a no brainer for the front runner. It would it would seem so because I you know I, I feel like sometimes I'll go to I'll go to a movie on the weekend and maybe the next day if I'm at politics and prose I'll mm-hmm. see the same people from the movie theater, <laughs> uh, it, it, in those sort of settings and so it's I mean it, it again this this sounds like we're describing just this horribly elitist sort of thing but it is our community right. and and you know we're this is a, a company town in a lot of ways mm-hmm. that it's about politics and, and media. 
transitioning a little bit, we, we, we talked about how RBG was a pleasant surprise almost for everybody across the board who was involved in it. Um, are there other movies out there that you were like, wow, I mean, this is this is what I mean, it wouldn't it didn't, not even necessarily a movie that you worked on, but just like, wow, I didn't see this coming that the, the people would be so into this movie. Like well, in, in, in particularly in, in Washington, particularly if it has a political or sort of policy kind of angle. I think that if I'm going back to some of the films that we've worked on in particular, I think I'm Not Your Negro definitely fell into that yeah. category. It was just, you know, that it was a moment where people wanted to talk about right. race in America and, you know, and really talk about it from through the lens of James Baldwin and and revisiting his body of work and. He seems to be having this renaissance, he right? Really is. <laughs> With if Bill, yeah. Bill, if Beale Street could, could talk, talk uh, which mm-hmm. garnered a couple of nominations, mm-hmm. also, uh, his work is. I mean, it's some of it is very difficult to read. You it know? is, yeah. <laughs> I, I've tried. I, I continue to try. <laughs> it's, and it's not so much that it's so complicated; it's just that it's so bleak uh, yeah. uh, because some of it we're hung up on some of the same issues of race. Um, and I, I remember, uh, I was, I was a little surprised too with "I Am Not Your Negro" that um, the you know, this is a documentary about a, a black intellectual writer who died 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, and, <laughs> and, I think, and and it's just I mean, and it just or 40 years ago and it just boom. You know, we go back to the zeitgeist mm-hmm. that culturally we're ready to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the film itself. I mean, that's an extraordinary film. Yes, I it mean, is. it's one. It's still to this day one of my favorites. And I think Washington in particular, it's a really brainy market. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a lot of highly educated people here and they want a story and they want a story told well. Back when I used to be the director of programming at the West End Cinema, we found that, um, you know, that was really the kinds of people that would come that were just intellectually curious and wanted to learn more about the world. But if the movie was so-so, you know, they probably wouldn't come. But if it was something like there's this Ceausescu, four-hour Ceausescu documentary <laughs> that we played, which was all, he had his own cinematographer and like they pieced together this four-hour film out of it and it did gangbusters. Like that's <laughs> the only, that's only in Washington, right? <laughs> that probably, yeah, yeah, like maybe Paris, <laughs> yeah. you know, or, you know, like, but but that's about it. Like yeah. two, two places in the world you but, know, that would. But the point is here in Washington, people do, they, they, are intellectually curious. They they want that good story, um, and you know something that's kind of middling. You know, in terms of execution and um, concept, yeah. You know, there's other things to do, and then there's also the other issue of for films that are stridently um, advocating for one thing or another. When does it feel like work? Right. That's that's like that's the other side of the coin here well and that gets into storytelling itself too mm-hmm. i mean because i mean most people have some sort of political opinion mm-hmm. particularly in a place like washington but if it's a compelling story it almost doesn't matter whether it's more conservative or mm-hmm. or whether it's uh, a liberal but getting back to your original question about films that were your surprise or i guess you could even say like happy about in terms of how successful they ended up being i mean there's blackfish mm-hmm um, oh wow! Which yeah. Another, you know not... might have changed the way SeaWorld. Uh, oh, it you know, definitely you know, did. Yeah, that... I mean, conducts its business exactly. Yeah. I mean, SeaWorld, you know, they they had their own role in in that change as well because they mm-hmm. handled Blackfish the the release of Blackfish very badly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's a case study about what not to do when a documentary about your organization comes out. Blackfish and also Restrepo. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Restrepo was also a fantastic film. Um, the filmmaking was great, but it also, I mean, the we've worked on a lot of films about with uh, veterans, Iraq, Afghanistan, and a lot of them just don't land. Right. 
that one did. Um, I think in part because of the relationship that Sebastian Younger and Tim Hetherington had right. with um, within the uh, military community in and of itself. Again, there was at the time a zeitgeist. I think that was when um, McChrystal Petraeus yeah, left yeah. Afghanistan. It happened like right at the yeah, same time. And Stanley McChrystal, you know, had had you know was about to be relieved of, of his own command exactly. by by President Obama. Yeah, right? or, and so that happened right at the same time. Right. And so Sebastian and Tim had plenty to say on right. that. So that worked out in our favor. And also, it was just a different perspective. It was very much like in the trenches. It wasn't, you know, anti-military. It was actually, it was like a love letter to, mm-hmm. to the, um, that particular company and people. It's one of the few military movies where the military and the service people actually came out and really supported. And so. I, and, and actually that, that film and goes back to a time when I wasn't even at Roll Call. I was, with, I was, I was covering it for That's National right. Journal. But yes, it was. That's ancient it, history. Yeah, it did. So um, in, in our dwindling amount of time in this podcast, Renee, you are uh, about ready to embark on a journey to Sundance, the yes. Sundance Film Festival. Is there one or two uh, films that you're particularly looking forward to seeing that we might find of interest in well, the coming days? Yeah, coming I mean, I, Sundance always sets the stage for the rest of the year in terms of the film, film business writ large. Plus, um, in terms of the documentaries and, you know, again, as you were discussing, like the films that have that touch on social issues that often end up coming our way. Uh, one that I'm really excited about, it's called American Factory. Mm-hmm. And it's about a Chinese company that comes into Ohio, I think, and opens a factory. You know, they, they start their own factory in a defunct American factory. And so... Just a few issues just there. Just a few issues <laughs> in, there. In, in the 2019, right? <laughs> There's the, um, the documentary, Knock Down the House, group of documentarians followed a bunch of candidates in New York Okay. Um, in their uh, primary races. And one of them, they were fortunate enough, was Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. So, oh, never heard of her. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I hear she's really big on social media. Um, <laughs> the other one that seems really interesting is called The Report. It stars Adam Driver, and it's about the CIA report about um, 9-11. Oh. So... So we got a couple. Oh, All right. Yeah. Well, I look forward to hearing this. about this, yeah. uh, about these movies, uh, as as you return. Yeah. And have have uh, safe journeys I to will Utah. Hopefully, and back. just stay warm in the in the <laughs> mountains of Park City. Renee, thank you so much for uh, for talking and running through the the, the movie list with us. Thank you for having me, Jason. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. And thank you for listening.